third pregame show for the Man Cave Sports Podcast. I am joined by Tim again as we talk about some less than stellar good games this weekend. And also, more hot seat for Bobby Petrino and an unexpected arrest. More on that. Stay tuned and listen. Welcome to the third pregame show for the Man Cave Sports Podcast. Now this weekend, there's not a lot of good games for college football. But there are some little games that you might want to be on the lookout for. And we'll definitely get to those today. Um, Actually today, I, want, uh, I wanted to start out with Louisville real quick. Just go ahead and get this out of the way. So they lost again to Boston College. Last week, which I saw happening. And they looked okay. They looked like they would hang with them. And then Boston College's defense just kind of just, you know, held their own and, you know, really kept Louisville's offense off the field. And Joan Pass didn't have a great game. Uh, just they're, once again, this Louisville not looking like a good team. And just making Bobby Petrino's, uh, you know, his seat even hotter. And I think if they don't find some way to fix it the rest of this season, which I do not think is going to happen because of their schedule, it's kind of tough. And, yeah, I think after this season, they'll give a lot of thought to possibly firing Petrino. Well, Tyler, you want to talk about the uh, latest with UofL? Yeah, I mean, they just have – just, you know, on the field they have problems. And, you know, of course, Louisville being – now they have an off-the-problem situation. You know, I called uh, once I saw this, I called you, and I said, this is so funny. This has never been more Louisville in my whole life. Like, this has never been more Louisville. So their tight end player, Kamari Everett. Kamari Everett, who was looking like he could be a potential big part of this offense, arrested for first-degree wanton endangerment and a fourth degree domestic uh, domestic violence assault on a girl and it might have been his girlfriend it was his girlfriend it was his girlfriend so he basically what happened is that his his laptop wasn't in his backpack and the last person to have his backpack was his girlfriend so what does he do he goes out gets a gun point puts it to her temple and says that he you know he'll kill her and if she leave, uh, tries to run, that her uh, he'll get his people to look after, or you know. Find well, let her. me let me quote directly from our article. According to the arrest citation, Everett realized on Monday that his laptop was missing from a backpack returned by his girlfriend. He then approached her car and put a gun to her temple, threatening to kill her. The report adds that Everett threatened to shoot the car and told her he would have. My people looking for you. And I think what's most disappointing is the reaction by the team. Not sus- like kicking him off the team. They right suspended him. The they indefinitely suspended I-, I love that word, indefinite suspension. There's no such thing as indefinite suspension. There's either you're off the team or you're on the team and you're suspended. Okay? So right. I-, I don't care for that. So... Here's a statement from uh, the stellar, shall I say, um, man of conscious 
Bobby Petrino. Kamari Everett has been suspended immediately from all football activities per further investigation. He will not have access to our facility. Well, no shit. Yeah. Or be involved in any team activities during this suspension. So what does that tell you? That means that he could come back. But this guy put a gun it, up to a, girl's a woman's head forehead. He's probably scared because that tight end, he's a big guy. Yeah. What does he need a gun for a, a, for he's like, a woman? He's 6'6". He's six, six, yeah. 250. And, and, you know, God forbid, you you know, that phone's missing from my backpack. His you got to be cheating. Missing and, Did mm. you sell my phone? Put a gun up to her head, right? Yeah. So, uh, Bobby continues... We work hard every day to develop a culture of accountability. Now, Bobby Petrino it, saying that is just it, funny. That to me. is pretty funny, but considering his past, I mean, yeah, uh, I, he's been the. I guess he's a really accountable. Let me let me reiterate that we work hard every day to develop a culture of accountability. Ha ha, that everyone in our program must live up to. Ha ha. Mm. Okay. Any conduct that does not meet these expectations will not be tolerated. Ha ha. Then why not keep within the Louisville football program? So basically, uh, you have the cops show up. I'm sure they found a gun. Sure, they did. Wanton endangerment can't charge somebody with wanton endangerment until they have something that would actually threaten someone's life. Mm -hmm. Besides his hands, right? Because you know. What a you know what a, a big tight end could do to a woman if he really wanted to hurt him, but uh, and then they all, and then they give him a domestic violence charge, which uh, to me is a it's, little odd. It's BS. Yeah, um, you know. So uh, the vice president, director of athletics, Vince Tyra. Answered, I fully support Coach Petrino and his decision to immediately suspend Kamari Everett per further investigation. Don't you love when they add per further investigation at the end of that? You know, uh, if a cop shows up and there's a girl that's crying out loud, you know, crying, she's probably, distraught. I mean, she's probably scared as hell. Yeah. I mean, I would be scared he if He just a big put a six, gun to my forehead, right? I would be scared as hell, too, if it was a 6'6", 250 guy coming after me with a gun. And then what do gun. they do? They search them and they find a gun. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, I think the I think credibility's that, there. I think that definitely warrants for a, a definitely kicking off of the team. Yeah. Because, I mean, they had... Uh, Louisville um, College Basketball a couple years ago, they kicked off uh, Chris Jones, who also had problems with, I think it was domestic violence too. Might have, I think it was. Yeah. So, I mean, you just look at this program when they're trying to start off with a clean slate. This definitely, you know, while their attentions may be good, they don't, they want to have, you know, they want to further investigate. But honestly, I mean, the information's all there. And he definitely deserves to be kicked off of the team. And he definitely deserves whatever, you know, he has coming to him. Well, let me just put it this way. Vince Tyra finished his statement. We have high expectations for all our student athletes and inappropriate conduct will absolutely not be tolerated. So, I don't understand. It says absolutely not be tolerated by suspending him. If what what's funny about this is 
They have the details. You know they do. They have plenty. They have they have the details. Just like you said, they wouldn't charge wanton endangerment unless there was sure you know sure. a certain like certain evidence that they found. Yeah. So basically, we live in a culture where there's certain things that you can mention and you'll immediately be, be, lose your job. And I'm not trying to get political, but there are certain things that you can mention. If this lady came and said that he sexually assaulted her, he would be gone. But if you point a gun up to someone's head, you get they allow they suspend you and they allow an investigation first. That's insane to me. You know, a gun means what it says. They found a gun on him, he should be gone. There's no reason for a UFL player to have a gun on him. Nope. None. And so, you know, I, oh, by the way, um, just out of curiosity, does University of Louisville have a no-gun policy? I'm just curious. Do they have a no-gun policy like all colleges do? So, if he has a gun, he's violated their policy. Kick him off the team. Yeah, kick him out of the university, which he already should be. I mean, he's going to – he already looked up. I mean, that's five years in a penitentiary. Yeah. So. And, oh, by the way, here's your bond. $10,000. That's it. Put a gun up to someone's head and you only have a $10,000 bond. That's insane to me. I Sorry, think, I got I a little think passion about this, guys. Now, this is... Uh, he should be definitely be kicked off the team because, I mean, judging from the reports that have come out, it looks pretty obvious. I mean, they have all the details that they need and that they could possibly want. And this dude, I mean, obviously looked like he had a future. He actually had two touchdown passes against Alabama in their first game of the season. So I'm sure they have, they had high hopes for him. But, and he just ruined it. Yep. Doing something really stupid. Sound familiar? Shane Behan? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that that's the really tragic part of this. I, I'm, just for full disclosure, I'm a Louisville alumnus. And I am fit to be tied with the sports programs at UofL. They've done a lot. They've come a long way in straightening up basketball. It's time to straighten up football. Yeah. Petrino needs to go. I'm calling it right now. He needs to go. And regardless I mean, I of think... whether he pulls out three or four more wins or one win, he should go. Yeah. Let's let's start over. Let's be terrible for a couple of seasons. You know, get a good coach, rebuild. Just get a, get a good young coach. I'm sure there are coaches out there that would love to take a Louisville job. Sure. I mean, Chris Mack. Charlie Louisville. Strong to this. Charlie Strong to this. Yep. You know? And, yeah, and, they go. It, it's just different. I mean, going from, you know, 2013 or 2012, uh, you have Louisville going to the All-State Sugar Bowl. Beating Florida, and Louisville football was definitely on on top of everything. And then you have Louisville basketball, you know, winning a vacated national championship. Those two Louisville programs were at the top of the world. Not not football; they weren't you know top top of the world, but they were up there. Yep. they were pretty good. And they had national hopes, you know, national yeah. championship. And hopes. then yeah, the last couple of years they've kind of. I mean, they had Louisville, you know, football had Lamar Jackson, of course, so they were okay for those years. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, basketball took a 
you know, took a turn for the worse, but Chris Mack is doing a fantastic job so far as coach. And, you know, I'll say this, you know, I'll say this again, picking up him was a great choice because he, you know, I think I'm really thinking that, you know, these fans, the Louisville fans are, they are, you know, falling in love with him. He's going to be a great coach for him. In 2019, already has five four-star recruits coming to Louisville, which, like, you know, I haven't, when's the last time Rick Bettino was able to get, uh, you know, five four-stars to come? Yeah. And the fact that he's... Without without money or prostitutes involved. Right. And, you know, five, who would have thunk it that he would have gotten five four-star recruits for next year, considering that, you know, the case, or they just had their closing arguments, but that the uh, the whole scandal for college basketball, considering that he's gotten five and that they've committed and said, you know, hey, we'll play for you. Imagine five years down the road yeah. after all this is under their belt. See, that's, that's sort of where I'm coming from as far as football is concerned. You know, everybody seems to think short-term wise and, you know, wins and losses and things like that. And if your team wins a lot, they'll overlook a lot of bad behavior. But if you can't produce results and there's all kinds of bad behavior and you still can't make a firm stance that protects women from guns to their forehead, I don't know what else can you do. It makes me question, you know, at least the athletics department, which I thought they cleaned up, um, and it also makes me question uh, Petrino as well, which, you know, Petrino doesn't really have a great history with UofL in the first place. Nope. So, I mean, it was a surprise to me when they hired him Oh yeah. back four years. Uh, and everybody was so excited about it. You remember? And I was pitching a fit about it. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This guy basically... Guess who was hired back by? Tom George. Yeah. The same guy. Yeah. So, but, you know, regardless... Uh, you know, I just I'm done with football, U of L football, until they get this straightened out. Basketball is on its way, which that's something good. Which maybe. I am, you know, I'm excited about, and I'm so happy that they're getting everything back in order. I really am because well, you know what, and, Chris and Mack is having a, he's a such competitive a UK U of L fan is worth it in itself. Mm-hmm. And and I always believe this, you know, for if you're a UK fan or U of L fan. It's always good to have two competitive teams. If you look at UK Indiana, UK Indiana was a great rivalry, uh, basically up until the uh, early two thousands, and then Indiana started going one way, and UK was going up a little bit more. But they've always been decent, and so you know now it's kind of a it, it's kind of a joke, you know, that you got Indiana coming and asking to play UK. I don't want that to happen to UofL. I don't think it'll happen with UofL. But I'm just saying it benefits both teams to have good teams. You know, football, same example. If we got UofL really good and UK, UK's finally getting good at football. They're 14th in the country, one lost team, and they're going to play a UofL team. As a UK football team, you know, cannot ask for more, especially from UK football this year. Moving on from uh, some sad news, not sad news, but, you know, some, you know, Debbie Downer stuff. Moving on to some uh, 
some college games for this uh, for tomorrow night or for you know for tomorrow. NC State traveling to take on Clemson. Uh, I think we can both agree that's our game of the week too. Yeah, I think I really think it is. Uh, NC State five and zero. They were gonna play West Virginia, but unfortunately that game was canceled because of uh, Hurricane Florence. I think uh, was it Hurricane Florence? I think so. I. I they, they I don't, there's a lot of hurricanes. A hurricane came. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that game was canceled against West Virginia. They're still 5-0, though. But they haven't really played anybody. The only quality team that they've played so far is Boston College. And, and But, however, I think this game, I think will come down to the wire. I really do because NC State quarterback Ryan Finley Having a really, he's having an excellent season with seventy percent completing seventy percent of his passes, over sixteen hundred passing yards, and also to add ten touchdowns versus only three interceptions. So he's been playing really good, and he's been in a really a quarterback wide receiver duo with Kelvin Harmon, and Kelvin Harmon's having a really good year with thirty three catches and five hundred thirty four yards, and adding a couple of TDs as well. So definitely that duo. Uh, that's going to be important for uh, tomorrow's game. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I'm a, I'm a little uh, miffed by this game because North Carolina State is really kind of a unknown quantity in this game. I use that term a lot, an unknown quantity, but they are. And the reason is, is because of the West Virginia game being canceled. And like you said earlier, I mean, if had they played West Virginia, we might be saying, well, yeah, this is def- for sure going to be yeah. a tough game. Yeah. But ESPN's only giving NC State an 11% chance to win this game. Well, you got to remember it's played at Clemson. Great yeah. crowd. And it's really hard to play in Death Valley. Yeah, yeah. And the, the thing is, I think North Carolina, I'm, I'm going to call this game, I'm, I'm going to call this about a 14-point win for Clemson. Yeah, I think Clemson um, will, I think they'll pull it out in the end. Yeah, I think the first half is going to be key. The first half is going to be really important. If North Carolina State can uh, get an offensive foothold, uh, you know, Clemson's riding high off their absolute crushing. Against Wake Forest last weekend. 63-3, I think it was. Yep. Uh, Let me tell you, Clemson really needed that because I think they kind of were struggling um, as far as offense and, uh, you know, especially with Kelly Bryant deciding to transfer. it certainly so helped they out were, the ranking, too. It, it did. And, like I said, definitely needed that win. Shored uh, up a lot of doubters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I mean, I mean, I don't think there's anyone else that can really uh, beat Clemson. I mean, the rest that's on uh, Clemson's schedule, except maybe NC State tomorrow. But other than that, they kind of have an easy road to the, the ACC championship. And, you know, that... That would be interesting, but do you think, let's say, if Clemson they win out, mm-hmm. and they, you know, of course, playing in the ACC championship, if they lose in the championship game, do you think they'll still have? Do you think they'll still get into the playoffs? Clemson? Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> the only one loss team that's getting in the championship, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be an SEC team. Um, I definitely think that two teams are going to make it. Clemson loses to any team in the ACC, they're done. They're just done. They don't have 
if North Carolina State comes out tomorrow and beats them, it's over for Clemson. Oh yeah, you I'd know. say so. I mean, you look like and a, even in a championship, you look at a team like LSU, who you know we'll talk about this in a, in a little bit, but they have you know they have a pretty good game coming uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. But I, I mean, Clemson, you know Trevor Lawrence, their freshman quarterback, has been looking like a real stud. Definitely in a couple of years. I mean, you know, next year and then the year after, he'll definitely be a Heisman candidate. But he on the season, sixty nine percent of his passes, eight hundred and sixty eight yards and eleven touchdowns versus two interceptions. He's been playing like a the five star, you know, quarterback that he was in high school, and he was highly touted. And you know, he's like I said, he's been playing like uh, like an absolute stud. And really though, I think their offense has been led by their sophomore running back, Travis Etienne. I'm pretty sure. Etienne. Etienne, I don't know. I'm not terrible (laughs) with last names. Uh, I'm sorry, but he's been playing really good. Um, He has 761 rushing yards on the season, adding 11 touchdowns to his game as well. He's been really been, he really has been led by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Clemson has been led by him this season, and again, playing really good. Uh, a couple of questions: Is Ken Finley, uh, Ken Ryan Finley from NC State, keep it up against uh, the Clemson defense? Because we know about Clemson's defense and that they're really good. And I think a key factor for this game is certainly if you know Clemson, uh, not Clemson, um, if NC State's offense can keep it up. Yes, and they uh, they have to keep their foot on the pedal for sure, because if they don't, then it just gives a chance for Clemson's offense to get hot. Yeah, and especially uh, in Death Valley at Clemson, you definitely have to keep it up. And I, I think that's a major question is if Ryan Finley can do that. And he's a senior, so he's been through these tough environments before. Yeah. So and again. That's that's one question. Another uh, question I would have is for Clemson: Is can they keep they can they keep it up? Can they ride off of their dominant win against Wake Forest? Can they keep it up, or will it be another you know close game like it was against Syracuse and some other games against Texas A and M? There's lots of big questions. Well, I think in this game, if it's close, it doesn't hurt them because I think North Carolina State. Uh, with their ranking and everything, that they'll be okay there. Um, you know, as far as this one being close, they shouldn't be close uh, against the Syracuse. Uh, you know, take a lower Georgia Tech, Louisville, something like that. If it's close there, that hurts them. I think this game, if it's played tough, uh, they'll be fine. Um, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea about this game. I'm just kind of guessing a 14-point win by Clemson. Yeah, well, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think Clemson will eventually pull it out in the end. I'm just, I, I don't think it's gonna be a blowout, honestly, because I think all, uh, NC State's offense is too, you know, well, I especially mean, with their quarterback completing 70 percent of his passes. That's pretty good. You mentioned so, scoring, okay? Um, you know whether or not North Carolina State can. I score. mean, if Clemson's they, defense shows up. Oh, it's a no-brainer. Well, Clemson I, will... you know, the thing is, okay, the teams that they shut out, let me just give you a second. Furman, seven points. Georgia Southern, seven points. Wake Forest, three. Not very good teams. Texas A&M, they gave up 26 points. 
Georgia Tech, they gave up 21 points. Syracuse, they gave up 23 points and should have lost that game technically. Mm -hmm. But so I think North Carolina State is definitely going to put up some numbers. Um, And, you know, I I definitely think it's going to be something that is, uh, you know, I I think they can do it. It's just a matter of, to me, the game is in um, North Carolina State limiting Clemson, you know, if they score 24 points and Clemson scores 63, what does it matter? You know, so I think uh, that's really kind of the key to me is North Carolina State's defense. I think their offense will put up some points because Clemson has had it happen before, even at home. Yeah, it's either going to be a shootout or Clemson's defense is going to shut them down. Hope I mean, but I think it, that's how it's going to go. Yeah. And most likely, I think it's, you know, it's going to be a shootout because offense can put up numbers on both sides if they wanted to. Yep. So, next game, I think, is that's going to be really good. Michigan at Michigan State. Big rivalry game. Of course, Michigan got a transfer from Ole Miss, but... He's been able to play this year instead of sitting out because Ole Miss has been going under some allegations mm-hmm. with their coaches, and they got uh, a postseason ban, so they can't go into any bowl games. He wanted to transfer Michigan, and NCAA allowed him to play right away, which I think is really that's really cool, and I think that's the transfer rule should be like that anyway. But that's just getting ahead of myself. But anyways, they've been led by Shea. Patterson on the season been pl- playing really good. He's really helped out this Michigan offense in numerous ways because Michigan, while they've been really good the past two to three years, ever since uh, what I can't remember, I think it's Jim Harbaugh. Ever since he came there, you know, they, of course they've improved, but something that they've been lacking was a high quality quarterback. Well, Jim Harbaugh was actually a little bit on the hot seat before the beginning of the season because Michigan's kind of puttered out a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they come out and, you know, they'll go 4-2 and two or something like that. And then the very first game, they lose to Notre Dame. It's their only loss of the season. Which right now, and that's looking like a good looking loss. Looking like a right good now. loss, yeah. So it was kind of an odd little start to things because usually they start out fast, they win a couple games, and then they'll drop a couple yep. because they get into their the meat of their conference and things like that. So yeah, I, I think they're I think they're doing pretty well. Michigan State to me is the one that's kind of a a, a, a kind of an odd thing. I you know they pulled out know, an upset at Penn State and they're four and two right now. Don't know much to make up of them, but they lost to Arizona State. That's and Northwestern. There's just sometimes teams to lose games you don't expect them to, and then all of a sudden, when it's a you know a prime time game, they'll show up and they'll win. Sure, you know, hence last week. LSU. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hence last week or, or yeah, last week, uh, uh, Michigan State coming out and. Beating Penn State, and then you have Syracuse. Usually, they they pulled it out against Clemson last year. They've you know they haven't had many good seasons, but I mean when they play Clemson, it's always like they're hanging with them. Yeah, and it looks like Michigan State can be that very team. And honestly, I'm gonna 
I'm gonna. This is gonna be my upset. I think Michigan State's gonna pull it out against Michigan. I think they'll upset. Uh, I think they'll upset Michigan, and I think that. I mean, uh, with you know the standings, Michigan is up there with Ohio State, and of course, if Michigan loses, Ohio State's definitely for sure. You know, the number one going into their championship game. And if Michigan pulls it out, then, of course, you know, they're still tied with Ohio State. But, you know, I mean, we'll see. It's a rivalry game. It, so a, it, the rules don't necessarily apply. Tension paper, On paper, I pick Michigan. Easy. Yeah, I mean, just looking uh, at the stats. 14 points, I pick, I pick yeah. Michigan. But, uh, to say the least, this is not your average ordinary game. It's definitely something where um, I, Michigan State can definitely put up a fight. Um, you know, they have some odd losses, but they have some quality wins too. So, I definitely think that uh, Michigan should win this game. I'll call it for 14 points for them. Uh, let's just say 28-14. Um, and, uh, but... Uh, that doesn't mean that Michigan State can't make this a competitive game and even pull off the upset. I'm not going to call it because I, I definitely like the idea of Ohio State and Michigan playing each other with limited losses and a big, huge game to look forward to. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, well, like I said, I still think I think that's going to be my upset for the week is mm-hmm. definitely I think Michigan State's going to pull it off. And, and, you know, Brian Lewerke has been playing okay. Mm-hmm. 60% of his passes, over 1,500 passing yards, eight TDs on the season. They call his nickname's Legs, so he can yeah. he can scramble a little bit. But, I mean, I think that's going to be a close game. And, it's I mean, you know, like you said, rivalry game is definitely high tensions. Uh, next game is going to be our Kentucky Wildcats. All right. So, Kentucky, coming off a of bye week, a desperately – Needed. Needed by week after <laughs> coming gauntlet. off. They, they went through a gauntlet, but honestly, even though they lost a heartbreaker to Texas A&M. At Texas the, A&M. Let's not forget that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they've won two out of those three games is impressive. Mm-hmm. I still think, because we were talking about, you know, before the gauntlet, they don't need it. If they win two out of those three games... They still have a shot at having a ten and two season. Mm-hmm. There's a very still a very good chance that that may happen. Something I found interesting though, Georgia has to play Florida and LSU before that Kentucky game. So let's say what, what three way race. Let's see if. Georgia, well, the good thing is Kentucky does have the tiebreaker over Florida. Yes. So I'm not really worried about Florida right now. But there's the Florida game, I, I think Georgia might. I think they'll pull that one out. I think it'll be close, but I think Georgia will pull that one out. But LSU, considering it's at LSU, that's going to be a tough game for anybody, especially Georgia, who had, you know, or last week, uh, Georgia – Georgia beat, Georgia lost, lost to LSU. LSU. So they already and convincingly have at that. I mean, it yeah. wasn't even close. Um, I got that. Ah, man, I completely forgot. I got I got that all mixed up. Yeah. So, Georgia losing to LSU last week. 
that's one loss out of the way for Kentucky. Yes. But now virtually, if Florida comes out next week and or you know they play Georgia, if Georgia wins that game, let's let's just call it. That game for against Kentucky, that like I said last week, that's virtually gonna be the decider on who goes to the SEC championship game. Uh, yeah, game. And, and the interesting part of this is, if Georgia beats Kentucky, that still does not guarantee that Georgia gets in there. Okay, so Georgia, let's say Georgia beats Kentucky, and for whatever reason they beat Florida. Okay. So Florida's a two-loss team, Kentucky's a two-loss team, and then you got Georgia with a one-loss. Okay, Georgia still has to play some tough games. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think it's something that it's very interesting. The East is is definitely the most interesting. The, the West is boring; it's done. You know, but the East is definitely more interesting to to follow. And I I don't think. I don't necessarily believe that Georgia's just going to roll over Florida. I don't think that. I definitely. I think don't that, think so. I, I don't think, think. Yeah, but I just think Florida's on a high. They're winning games. They've already been LSU. Yes. So I mean that's that's Six pretty. And one. I mean they got the same record. Uh, well, they they got one more win because of the bye week with Kentucky, but they have the same record as Georgia. They have the same record as Kentucky with what except uh, exception of the bye week for Kentucky. So, you know, we're talking, they're really in, uh, you know, they're really in the seat right now. They're, they're, so I, I'm thoroughly impressed with Florida. I definitely think that, um, you know, it's going to be a great game. Uh, Georgia. It's, could a, just it's at Georgia, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it could definitely be a game where Florida could just surprise everybody and beat them. And then... The only problem with that is, <laughs> the only problem I have with that is, they got Kentucky shortly thereafter, and they'll be looking for blood. So Georgia's schedule, I know they play Florida next week because they're, they're on a bye week this yeah. week. Do they play another person before, another team before Kentucky? Um, I'm not sure. Let me check the, um, the their schedule real quick. Um, let's see here. I'm, I think they play someone. I don't know if it's as tough, but I think. Uh, but anyways, going back to Kentucky and Vandy, um, like I said, Kentucky really needed that bye week. Really needed it. And a couple of questions I have for UK. I think I told you this. I don't, they shouldn't have a problem against Vandy, considering it's also at Kroger Field, and like no problem. However, will UK be able to? You know, get over that loss and be able to come back and, you know, show their stuff. Yeah. Playing like they were before that. Will Snell, will they give Snell the ball? Which they should. Give the man the ball. He deserves it. He's led the team, especially their offense. And can Terry Wilson, how will he play? Yeah. Will he? Do we need Terry Wilson to play, though? You know, and, and this is the thing. Ultimately, gotta... I think he'll start, but... We don't need him to have a good game. No, I, I'm not really talking about him starting. What I'm saying is, Snell, the ball should be Snell's up until they stop him, and then you try out Terry Wilson. Snell's your first option, first and second option, 
And then you go to Terry Wilson with, you know, the legs and, and you know, the passing and things like that, that he can offer a little more than Snell. But for the life of me, I don't understand why they're not using, utilizing him more in, in, in really big situations. You know, we talked about the, the, where they lost against Texas A&M, third and two, and they're not handing the ball to them. You know, but, I mean, that's, that's kind of the bigger problem here. You know, when you're 5-1, uh, and 6-1, and one, you know, and you got to where you are because of Snell – Feed them, keep feeding them until and, and make the deserve, defense stop them. He deserves it. Yeah, because again, he's led that team. They would not be where they are right now without him playing like a beast. So feed them until proven otherwise. How can you say that Texas A and M stopped him when he I had mean, thirteen carries with sixty yards? Yes. Even though that's not a typical Benny game, he still had close to five yards rushing. That's what I'm saying. They, they, you can't say that Texas A&M started. They, even their defense can't go and say, we stopped Snell when he only had 13 carries. And, you know, they can say they stopped the offense. You know, they stopped uh, Wilson. But they really weren't like stopping that. Snell because, no. I mean, UK was not giving, them, giving Snell the ball enough. It was sort of like they were – I don't know. It's, it's sort of like they were trying to trick them into thinking that they're going to give it to Snell and then pass it and somehow get a big touchdown out of that. And, you know, they did it for two quarters, <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know what? This is not working. Let's give it to Snell. Let's go back to our bread and butter. And, you know, and you think they would have made a pivot on that. And I don't, you know, Kentucky coaches have been awesome. But, I mean, they really did make a questionable call there. And, they did. And we had to reflect on it too much. But, you but know, what? it's a new this. week. It's Vanderbilt, a new week. Vanderbilt, yeah, that's right. It's a new week. Give it to Snell, establish the run, and then play the pass off the run. Yep. You know, and, and it, wor- it worked really well early on in this season. It'll work well now. The only thing I ask from Terry Wilson this week, dude, Please be, please don't let me down because I really want to like you. <laughs> I do. Don't make me hate you. Because <laughs> I know Gavin, he's not on your bandwagon. I know that. So please, dude, just show me signs of life here. Please, just be aggressive. Don't be afraid. It's at Kroger Field. Show the fans, the disappointed fans from. The heartbreak against Texas A&M. I know you feed, definitely feed Benny, but show us signs that of what you can be. Be aggressive. Throw it to C.J. Conrad. Throw it to Dorian Baker. Give your wide receivers a chance. Get other weapons in the game besides Benny Snell. Tight ends. Get C.J. Conrad, the tight end. Oh, man. Get, please get him in the game more. That's a problem. As, mu- as good as Kentucky's been playing this season... That's something that they have not been doing, is giving it to C.J. Conrad. And he's one of the NFL's top prospects for tight end. Or squirt Snell out for a short pass. You know, yeah. there's plenty of ways. Stop throwing screens. Stop throwing the ball deep down the field. You know, play that's a something short that game. That's something he hasn't been doing enough, with the, is throwing it down the field. Well, I know, but when he they, does throw it down the field, it becomes like... <gasps> You know, yeah, and and because of his decision making, there were many times you, you okay. And one thing that I've noticed uh, with Wilson 
is, and this, and this he's a young guy. Please, you know, he's got much more. He's uh, a sophomore. He yeah. still has another two years to develop. Yeah, and, and the thing that I've noticed with him is his field of vision is very limited. Uh, you know, and so he makes up his mind he's going to throw it right. He pretty much throws it right. That is very true. And then he because... has a running back squirt out to the left, and he's like, he'll dunk it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, that's know. something I've noticed with Terry Wilson this year is that they have done a lot of uh, screen plays with Lynn Bowden, and Lynn Bowden's actually their you know their leading receiver on the season. And I think, you know, I've said this about Terry Wilson. I think he can make passes. It's just his decision-making on those passes. Uh, against Florida, he had a couple of really good passes. Uh, early stages against Texas A&M, made some decent passes to C.J. Conrad. But Terry Wilson, uh, his main problem is not being aggressive because once he has a play set up, like he said, throwing it right, he'll get the ball, throw it straight to Lynn, Lynn Bowden for the screenplay. So he, they need he needs to be more aggressive. Well, I, I think a lot of it too, especially uh, when he's there's a way to coach around this. Yeah, and one of the ways that you can coach around is called a section op, second option offense. So in other words, you you actually practice this. You're going to throw a screen, and it's not there, and you look for a second option, and and meaning the second option the other side of the field. If you're looking to the right and you're passing a screenplay, you see the right side of the field. But there, there's something that all the great quarterbacks, they have poise. They know that the defense is coming at them. And they have the poise to, to say, okay, my right option is gone. I need to look left and I don't need to panic and be able to complete the pass to a, a running back that, that, that comes out of the blocking position for a pass. You know, anything like that. So, I definitely think this is something that he can learn. Um, and But, you know, the thing is, you got to get the boogeyman out of your head to learn it. And that's the hard part. Yeah, he, he so, he's just a sophomore. Mm-hmm. It's just his first time playing big-time college football games. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Playing at Kyle Field in front of 100,000 people... That's going to be tough for any freshman or sophomore quarterback. So I'll give him the benefit. It'll be tough of, for an NFL quarterback. <laughs> I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for yeah. that one. But he still played a crappy game. Yeah, that's that's no debate. But, but when like your I pass said, pass is gone. Run the ball. Yeah, you know that's it. That's just that's football one on one. Yeah. If if something's not working for you, like if the running game's not working for you, pass that's it. Something else. If if the passing game's not working for you, rush it. Be creative. Hell, like I said, I just want Terry Wilson to be more aggressive with the ball. That's all I want him to do. Throw it down the field. Do a screen do a screen pass every now and again. That's okay. But teams can predict that. So that's seriously, that's all I ask for what I want to see from this offense tomorrow night is give Benny the ball, be aggressive. That's it. that's all I want to see from UK's offense. See, I don't have I don't have a doubt in my mind about UK's defense. I don't. None. They've been they've been stellar all season. They've really shown their worth. They've made me proud. I know they made you proud. And. 
Vandy has a decent quarterback, but UK, even against Texas A&M, UK has shown that they can shut down quarterbacks, and they've pretty much shut down every single quarterback that they've, I mean, they have, mm-hmm. have shut down every single quarterback they've played so far. So, I want to be able to not have a doubt in my mind about UK's offense. So, that's... Some my predictions. I think UK. I think they'll. I think they'll come out, and I think they'll eventually. I think they'll win thirty-one to fourteen. I I think that's about around what I would say too. About seventeen. I'm going to say twenty-four uh, ten. Um, probably lean more towards twenty-four three um, because of Kentucky's defense. But I'll I'll just play it safe and say twenty-four ten. I don't think that they're going to light it up offensively. I hope they do, but I think it's going to be limited uh, to the first half, much in the same way as yeah, South Carolina. And that's the thing. UK's, UK's offense does not have to be, you know, you know, just, you know, a scoring threat. They don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be, they don't have to play like an awesome game on offense to win games because that's what their defense is for. Like I said, all I want to see is this them being more aggressive. And, you know, if they, you know, especially as Terry Wilson continues to develop in his next two years here at UK, that's all I want to see from him is just be aggressive. Now, I know I keep saying that, but and I keep stressing it, but seriously, that's all he needs to do. And if he can get a better field vision and not be so afraid to throw it down the field, then this UK offense is is in good hands. So. I agree, and I definitely think the games with the short game, running, short passes, things like that. And I think if they do that, they're going to be wildly successful. They've already been wildly successful with the short game. So, you know, all they need to do is just uh, open up his field of vision with the short game. And I think he'll be... C.J. Conrad, that's the only name. C.J. Conrad and also Snell. And Snell. You know, popping out and and short passes. You know, just because your first pick play is busted doesn't mean that you're busted. You can move on to other things. So, uh, and that that does take experience. So, let's take it easy on the sophomore you write about doing that. And, uh, you know, I think Kentucky's going to win. We've got a lot to look forward to. And a big Georgia game coming up. Not want to overlook Vanderbilt or Missouri. But, uh, I mean, last you know, week Vanderbilt was hanging with Florida. Sure. Uh, I mean, of course, Florida was, you know, came back to beat them. But Vanderbilt's not a slouch team by any means. Definitely don't overlook them. Yeah. But UK should definitely win this game. If they don't, I'll eat my words. Okay. But, you know, but seriously, I don't. UK should not have a problem, especially with their defense and the fact that it's at Kroger Field. Yeah. Under the Saturday Night Lights. Yep. So. All right, guys. That's the end of the third pregame show on the Man Cave Sports Podcast. We thank you guys for listening. For those who keep listening, we really appreciate you. We really encourage you to keep listening. If you're listening on Anchor, make sure to give us an applause. Tell us that you like us. If 
you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on Spotify, definitely leave uh, leave leave four stars, leave five stars, leave any comment you want. And you can find us on our social media. Our Instagram name is at Man Cave Sports Podcast, and our Twitter handle is at Man Cave Podcast. And if you want to follow me on my personal uh, social media, my Instagram name is at Tyler Walrusgolf, and I'll definitely follow you back. So until next time. Until the next post-game show, until the next podcast next Tuesday, thank you for joining us in the Man Cave.